Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Hey, welcome back to the show, everyone. It's great to talk to you. I've actually been like a really long time since I've recorded, and it feels really good to get back on the airwaves and feel like I'm at least directly talking to you, even though it's, you know, pre-recorded and all that. But this is a great show, and I'm in a really great mood because I've already gotten to hunt twice. Yep, that's right. I got out, chased some doves, even went out and did a little squirrel hunting. I am just feeling right with nature again. And as each hour passes, we get oh so close to that beautiful day on the calendar, October 1. Yep, I may not be able to hunt the very first day of the season, but I still can't wait for it to be that time of year. I've got my plans in. I still got some uh, stuff I want to do with my adjusting my sight a little bit on my bow and and uh, making sure I tweak my uh, tree stand approach a little bit. But it is getting to that time, folks. And uh, if you're like Brandon and your state has already opened up, I'm still looking for a big old pile of those grip and grin photos. So get those posted as soon as uh, you have that successful moment. And I truly, truly do can't say it enough i really do hope you have it anyways today is a really cool episode one that is totally different than uh, anything we've done in the past this one is all about tag acquisition in other states so hunting another state as a non-resident and mr alex gruen from east to west hunts he is a tag acquisition guru he's going to walk us through a lot of the basic terminology a lot of the basic procedures for how to get these tags and just knowing this information gives us that much better of a chance at acquiring some of these tags in the future so turn up the volume dial start daydreaming about your next big out-of-state trip and learn how to acquire those tags with episode 18 of the first gen hunter podcast with mr alex gruen Hello, 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 Brandon. It has been forever, man. Forever. I know. And here we are. For those of us uh, blessed to be in Delaware, uh, hunting season oh, has here started. We go. So here we go. Don't mean, to, don't mean to rub it in, but you know. <laughs> First, it's the saltwater fishing. Next, it's my deer season's already here. Yeah, you just keep pouring it on. Keep pouring it on. I know. I no, mean, I'm happy I mean, for you, man. You deserve it. Yeah. You've, you've been working well, like you. a dog. I mean, you you need you need to just like wander off into the woods and and uh, get yourself right with nature a little bit. So. Yes. Yeah, sometimes those are the best times. You know, you just go for a walk, you go wandering. You know, you, like we've talked about before, every time you're out, you learn a little something. So, I think I'm, I think I'm up for that. I think I need that right now. Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> I can't, you know, 
I am a little jealous. You know, I, my my uh, cell cam has been really picking up, and uh, I've been seeing. I think one night I had three or four different, and I'm going to say it, shooter bucks. You know what nice. I mean? And not just because I'm, you know, an, an adult onset hunter who, mm-hmm. who um, you know, the veteran hunters might think, oh, that guy's still in the it's brown, it's down mode. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to say that I'm far from that, but these were good bucks, man. These were, nice. these were, these were bucks anybody would be happy to have on their wall. And yes. since then, you know, I'd say every other night now I'm getting, I'm getting a buck like that on camera. So nice. yeah, those deer are starting to feel those cooler temperatures and, and, um, they're, they're getting up and they're moving and that's the, awesome. The crops are changing. It's just starting mm-hmm. to feel like that time. But on top mm-hmm. of that, I went out and did a little dove hunting yesterday. And, yeah. How'd uh, it go? Good. Uh, there weren't a ton of birds flying. It was public grounds. So I think there was a little bit of pressure there before we got there, and there were definitely mm-hmm. other people out hunting. But brought my son Jonas out. It was his first hunting experience ever. And, nice. Uh, yeah, he had fun. He ran out and picked up the dove for me that I shot. And, yeah, there were three of us. We saw, I think, four doves, and we shot three of them. So it was, it hey, was that's, a, you, you can't beat that percentage if you're out dove hunting. That's so, right. Hey. That's right. And, you know, the dove that I shot, it just, like, swooped in perfectly. as this nice, like, layup shot. It was super yeah. easy. I just crushed it, man. It was a I, – I was, I was feeling it. And then I <laughs> wasted, you know, a few more shells on some of the other ones yeah. that my buddy and my, my buddy Weston and my brother Jake had to clean up for me. But, uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> sure. it was a good time. But we're not yeah. here to talk about that tonight. We've – I mean, we, we kind of are, but it's behind us yeah. now because we got to get on yeah. to something that is brand new for mm-hmm. us here at the First Gen Hunter Podcast, and that yes. is we are talking tag acquisition, and not mm-hmm. not just your regular, oh, I'm a resident of this state. How do I get my resident tag? No, we're going we're gonna to dive into I want to go hunt in that state over there and chase that animal that I don't have over here. How do I do yeah. that? And mm-hmm. that starts to get to be a really tricky situation because there are so many different game laws and yeah. and um, uh, rules and deadlines for applying for tags. And so we brought on an expert, Mr. Alex Gruen. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Alex and I met through Instagram, kind of like uh, Eric Acri from Fly True Productions, which, by the way, when this releases, they will be two days away from uh, their their uh, trip west. So be sure Can't to, wait to hear about it. Yeah, hmm. be sure to tune into their channel to, to follow along with that. But um, Alex has been helping people do those types of trips because Alex is – can I go ahead and say it? A tag acquisition guru? Sure. That sounds that sounds dandy. I haven't heard that one yet. <laughs> at least at least a at least a tag geek or a tag nerd, right? Just uh, a guy. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm a science teacher. I'm I, I'm definitely a nerd. But um yeah, that's that's it, I think it's really cool that you have poured so much of your time and have truly become an expert on the subject. And um, even just from talking with you, you know, I, I've 
often viewed hunting rules and and laws as almost a static thing. In fact, to the point where uh, I made a post on Instagram recently that said, whoa, I was wrong. I thought rabbits and squirrel season were opening in my home state on, you know, this this day and that wasn't the case mm-hmm. just because yeah. they had mm-hmm. for the last the last you know like i don't know five years and yeah. um, you, uh, just from talking with you you're like you know some of the stuff i'm gonna have to update and and um looking at some of our show notes and stuff you've mentioned how it'll you know be different down the road or, and and uh you know it's truly something that you've kept on top of and through your business east to west hunts I'm sure have helped many, many people nail down the details to really fulfilling their dreams, you know, fulfilling some of those dream hunts. So, um, I think what you're doing is important and, uh, especially for first gen hunters who are wading through these, these, uh, you know, decisions and, and processes Mm -hmm. probably for the first time. And, and even veteran hunters, you know, sometimes, sometimes a guy will be like, you know what, I've, I've hunted deer here all my life. I want to go hunt elk in Wyoming or something like that. What does that take to do that? Well, you can go and visit, um, Alex's channel and his page, uh, East to West hunts and learn all about it. So Alex, could you kind of fill in the gaps though there on your business and just kind of, um, maybe share your vision and and your purpose that, that you see you can, you can, uh, achieve through East to West hunts. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head of, uh, you know, being a nerd and, and liking the data aspect and, and really kind of getting in the weeds. Um, I will, I'll be the first one to say that, the information changes every year, sometimes mid-year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's a lot of information. It's daunting to a lot of people. And, you know, for me, it was, it's something that I enjoy doing, but I realized that hunting is not something that people find it easy to get into. And if they go and just read some manual, yep. <laughs> they're yeah. like, man, this is brutal. I don't, I don't understand half of this stuff. And it, it's almost like it keeps them out of the sport. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And, and that was, that was really what kind of drew me to it. Uh, long story short for me, I, I grew up in Michigan and, uh, I grew up, you know, small game fishing. I I'd say, uh, fishing is the gateway drug to hunting. And, <laughs> yeah. Well said. You know, it, it gets you, it gets you outdoors and you enjoy it. And, and I didn't get to big game hunt all that much. And I ended up moving to Colorado and really kind of getting into that world. And awesome. that was really kind of the, the end for it. But then I started realizing how much a lot of people didn't understand what was going on and how to go hunt in different states and how every state had different laws and different ways of getting tags. And, you know, that's really the bridging of the gap. It's, I'm your pro. I'm your I'm your uh, agent, as I would say. Yeah. My job is to get you get you the information to help you either plan a hunt or yeah, it's to give you the information and I do it all for you to get you the best opportunity to go hunting, whether that's ten years from now or next year. Right. And more importantly, some people just don't want to deal with it. So I can also bridge that gap and just just I'll take care of it for them and they can sleep at night knowing that they don't have to worry about what day something's going to happen and what's going to change. And 
And I'm basically their resource, right? I'm, I'm your 24-7 phone call away, FaceTime, Skype, whatever you want conversation to, you know, what's next for you and what do you want to do? So that's, that's really the tie-in and uh, really my drive for it. I, I just genuinely enjoy it. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. That's a that's an others focused <laughs> mission, yeah. really. You know, and yeah, and there are so many of us that that myself included that look at these hunts and and I think I think I can't remember exactly how you just worded it, but it was like just didn't know how it worked. <laughs> you know, that's me on yeah. on so many of these things. It's you know, I I feel like I have like this. I don't know, foundational understanding, but then you're right. As soon as I go and actually look at the the handbook, it's like, whoa, you know, there's, there's all this stuff I should have been doing months ago. You know, if I really, mm-hmm. if I really yeah. wanted to be able to realistic, realistically plan this, not even for this hunting season, but the next one, you know, and yeah, talking with, talking with a pro such as yourself, I think is, is really imperative I guess you might say for um, your first and and even second time going mm-hmm. about it, or if you're going to go to any new state for that matter, you know, there's mm-hmm. just, and some states I've noticed as well, just through my own research are more confusing than others, you know, and, right. and um, just being able to, to wade through all that. Um, you don't want to, like you said, you don't want to see somebody not do it because they can't get that stuff figured out because that's a, that's a fixable problem. You know, you just yeah. need to talk to the right guy and, and you're obviously the right guy. So, um, before we move on here, we need to make sure that you know who the other guy on the line is. You know, me through, uh, <laughs> we've been talking for several weeks now, but this is, uh, this is Brandon Martin. He is from hunt fish life. Uh, Brandon and I are friends from the college days, and um, my my channel is mostly geared towards providing content in an educational sense uh, for um, both new and veteran hunters alike. Um, so we bring on guys like you who, to help with that. But Brandon's more on the sense of celebrating all the good things about the outdoors. Uh, he and his brothers run... Um, hunt fish life together and uh that's really been their their mission their purpose and as brandon says celebrate the brotherhood and sisterhood of the outdoors i think that's just such a great way to say it and so mm. we're really happy that uh um both of you guys are on the the call tonight so thanks for yeah i mean I'm, awesome. I'm i'm excited i mean you know as someone who i mean quite honestly you know really ha- i've not you know, really ventured outside of Delaware a lot in terms of hunting. I mean, I've, I've done fishing in a lot of different States. Um, but in terms of hunting, you know, around the country, you know, I've pretty, pretty, really just pretty much been on the East coast. And so I'm excited to learn a little bit because, you know, whether you've been into it for a year or for five years or for 30 years, you know, at some point, as you start to really, you know, get a passion for these things, you know, you're like, man, I really, I'm kind of curious to try something new, to go somewhere different, you know, whatever. And, and we've talked about that before in terms of just your ability to grow as a hunter. And sometimes it's easy to be, you know, be in a comfort zone. And, you know, when you're talking about venturing outside of what you're used to, I mean, that can be a little scary. So, I mean, the information tonight, I think is going to help us and, and hopefully a lot of people uh, branch outside of their comfort zones and grow as hunters. So I'm really excited about it. Well, I'm excited about it too. And, you know, to your point, I, I, I think, I think there's a, a great aspect of being able to hunt the same stuff all the time too, right? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I, 
I know, you know, I lived out east too. Mm-hmm. I knew the, you know, properties in and out or the farms in and out. And it was fantastic mm-hmm. because you knew mm-hmm. where you were going every year. Yep. But yeah, I think everybody might want to change the scenery at some point or they want to chase that dream hunt of theirs. And yes. that might be something totally different, you know? Right. Yep. yep. Definitely. Definitely for sure. Well, um, uh, before we really do our deep dive here into um, understanding these different aspects of tag acquisition, um, could you uh, kind of give us a? We, we we know that you moved from Michigan to Colorado, mm-hmm. um, but could you kind of give us just a, a brief rundown on your um, hunting background? Have you done much hunting out of state, and uh, you know, kind of what you grew up? what you grew up doing as far as hunting goes yeah yeah i uh i really started small game hunting in michigan i you know i got i got kind of a weird story but i'll I'll share it so my dad uh really wanted to hunt and i think i was i think i was 10 i just remember him saying gosh i want to go hunt elk and i want to hunt deer Mm. and he was getting ready to go on his first deer hunt and he then passed away like two months later. Oh, oh, and, oh, man. uh, yeah, yeah. You know, sentimental value to me. Right. But yeah, the, the reality of it was like, Oh man, you know, I, I, I wanted to do that or I wanted to learn from him and I didn't really get to do that. So when I was 20, I got the opportunity to move out West mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I just, I took that and I just kind of ran with it. So sure. I started elk hunting. I started deer hunting a ton in, uh, in Colorado and that kind of blossomed into just going and hunting all over the place. So I've hunted Idaho, I've hunted Wyoming, I've hunted Utah, I've hunted obviously Colorado, Nevada, uh, New Mexico. I mean, pretty much, you know, aside from like California and Washington, I've, I've been out west. I, I hunt Kansas every year. Wow. So, so I've, I've done it myself, mm-hmm. but I also have some hunts that I am waiting on that I want to draw because of all of these fun definitions that we're going to go through. Right, <laughs> right, yes, yep. yes. But, but hopefully that can kind of give people an idea of just the planning it takes and also just, just kind of the logistics of it, because I really do think a lot of it is logistics. I uh, actually, I, I hunted in Alaska this year and that trip was almost 90% logistics and 10% mm-hmm. hunting. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of time and, and to your point, it might take a year, year and a half or two years to even prepare to do that right. hunt. So, yeah. Yeah, man, that's, that's a really cool story. And, you know, I'm really sorry to hear about your dad and um, I'm sure he would be proud though, to know that, you know, sometimes when we face those adverse moments, the temptation of course can be to slink back into the moment, you know what I mean? And, and let it kind of undercut us for the long term. But I think he would be proud to know that you carried on and, and, um, you know, you, you kept pushing towards something that both of you wanted to do and wanted to share. And, and, um, in a way, you know, his legacy, I think lives on through your, through your efforts and your, your adventurous spirit. And so, um, you know, that's, I, I, I got to think that it's more personal to you than, than maybe most guys out there who are hunting. So, uh, and I think that passion shows through 
in the work that you've done, you know, um, uh, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll definitely, uh, share how, um, how our audience can get in touch with you. But, uh, I'm telling you, you go check out Alex's stuff. Um, you will, you will, uh, see what we're talking about. He, he everything is very professional and, um, um, just top notch and he, he does it right. So he's the kind of guy you can, you can, uh, look to you to, to help you out with this kind of thing. So, um, with that in mind though, got a dream hunt yet that you haven't done. Yeah. I want to go back to Alaska and do a grizzly hunt. Oh, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's, wow. That is, you got, you got it. You got it in the plans yet. You thinking like in five years or what, like, what are you, what are you thinking? Where, where are you at with it? Yeah, I, I think I can pull it off in the, in, in the next five. I uh, <clears throat> I did muskox this year, which was, oh, I would say, cool. definitely like one of my top three. And then just kind of going there. My my next one on the docket that I've been planning was moose. So that's 2022. And then I oh, got okay. grizzly I, I'd like by 2025. That, that'd be yeah. that'd be huge. That's awesome, man. man. I hope I hope you can do it. I hope you get yeah. a go. Um, that is that is awesome, man. Muskox, <laughs> you went pretty far north, huh? Yeah, I was in I was on Nunavak Island, so it was wow. It was it was wild. I uh, I, I I tried to video as much of that as possible, but I, I still don't think it does it justice of what yeah, you sure. go through. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that is because I mean that's like far north. And in the winter, right during that season. Yeah, yeah, you're like, yeah. I I don't recall if it's the furthest most, but but it's like, it's it's close on the Bering Sea. I mean, you're you're far off, Man. you know, west over there, and and uh, you got to take a very small plane and you're like <laughs> island hop to get there. Oh <laughs> man, that just. That makes me nervous to think about it, but it is so cool. Talk about an adventure. I mean, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, true. yeah, and, and I did it solo. So I, oh, I man. Goodness. I do wow. a lot of stuff solo. So. Oh, <laughs> man, that's amazing. Crazy, man. That's, <laughs> yeah. that is, yeah, uh, the, the wife told me I had to get extra life insurance, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask if she was excited to see you back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, just, sure you <laughs> I'm just, I'm just messing. I'm sure she's very happy to have you back. But, oh, but um, no, that's, that's crazy, man. Wow, that's yeah, you're you're an adventurer for sure. That's awesome. Uh, you know, my my younger brother. You know, I'm a first gen hunter, so he's obviously a first gen hunter too. And um, mm -hmm. we interviewed him clear back in episode six. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, and he actually was dove hunting with me yesterday and it's fun because he's, it's kind of been a delayed thing for him. I, do, I dove into hunting, uh, much earlier than he did. And, um, he's just like taken to it. I mean, he is, he is, he was having a lot of fun. I could tell. And, but he, what he says is his favorite part about hunting is the adventure of it. And, and, um, you know, we've hit that in different episodes, but I really think he's right. You know, that's the thing that, that taps us into that primal sense of our na nature. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, I got to say that when I'm out hunting, I don't know if I 
if there's on a regular basis where I feel more alive, you know what I mean? You just, yeah, you just, you're in that moment and you're drinking it up and everything is just, uh, it, it, it feels, it feels like it's happening how it should. And, yeah. um, I, I can tell you, you're a guy who, who's good at living in the moment and who's, who's, um, definitely got that thirst for adventure. So that's really oh, yeah. cool. That's awesome, man. I, I, I agree with you there. You know, I, uh, I talked to a lot of guys and, you know, I've, I've had not successful hunts too, but man, do I come home happy as all get out because I just, I got to experience something that not many people do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I think if if people look at it that way, you know, it takes away from the, I got to go and kill something factor, you know, because that's, that's really not what it is. You know, if if you harvest something, boy, you, you really got the cherry on top out of that thing. Yes. Well said. Definitely. So definitely, I agree with you, man. Well, I hope you can, uh, hope you can track down that Grizz. That'd be, that'd be really cool. So, yeah. well, speaking of that, speaking of dream hunts, I'm sure there's everyone listening in has got something circled, uh, you know, on a, on a brochure or maybe they've uh, been visiting a website or hitting a certain state's, uh, a DNR or fish wildlife and parks website, just pouring over the information and they're thinking, I got this dream hunt but I don't really understand how everything's supposed to work. And I think that we can start that out with just knowing the vocabulary, right? When I'm teaching a teaching a new lesson on a new subject, a lot of times the best way to start out is just by teaching what the, the lingo is for, for understanding it. And so um, I kind of put together here a list of some of the terms that I hear used all the time by more experienced hunters and um, terms that I know, you know, that I've read and, and, uh, have seen in my own, you know, research. And so I kind of want to walk through some of these that, that, uh, hunters will come across that are looking for these non-resident applications. And, uh, right away, I want to start with lottery. What, when, when someone gets onto a, a website and they see this is a lottery tag or a lottery draw or lottery application, what, what exactly does that mean? Well, you know, first, the the thing to know is that means you can't just go and purchase a tag. Mm-hmm. And, sure. and second of all, it means that you essentially get your name thrown into a pot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, I don't know if everybody's state is, but, you know, Michigan, for example, we have lottery. <laughs> and you get to pick a few numbers and then you get to watch it on TV and see if your numbers hit. Yeah. And yeah. that's essentially the lottery. You get one number and you if your number gets picked out of that drawing, you got yourself that tag that you wanted. So Yep. Gotcha. Probably the best way to summarize that. I'm gonna assume that these are probably some of the more heavily or close maybe not heavily, but closely managed species. Like um, you know, some that are species that aren't obviously threatened yet or endangered, of course, but maybe their population has kind of stagnated and you know, there's not a ton of them around. Is that usually what ends up being a lottery or is that not necessarily the case? No, it's, it's, it's more so. So more States or most States have kind of two different factors to it. They're going to have units that they manage for trophy quality. So, you know, let's use, Let's use any state, for example. Let's use uh, uh, Colorado as an example. 
mm-hmm. they're they're going to have units that they allow more tags to be sold in or they allow over the counter tags to be sold in and then they have lottery units and okay. lottery units are basically there's a lot less hunters there there's a lot less tags and they average age uh manage the the elk or the deer or whatever the case is so if you're going to really want to look at that trophy quality or you really want to get an older animal then you're probably okay. going to want to go after that lottery that makes gotcha. sense that makes sense okay yeah that's a good that's a that's a good clarification there i'm glad i asked that um so let's go ahead and dive into that other word then that you just use there, unit or zone. In Iowa, we have zones, I know, for mm-hmm. non-resident uh, applications for whitetail. Um, what about, uh, what exactly does that mean, units and zones? Yeah, so so uh, uh, zones, are, zones are usually bigger when you look at it on a premise of, of a western state, and then you get units. So it could be one of each, but let's use zones as the example. In uh, let's say you're applying to Wyoming, and they have uh, deer tags, and they're in a lottery. <laughs> and then yeah. on top of it, there's a zone now. So you're going to want to apply because you know you want to hunt in this area. Or uh, give you an example: I, I had a client this year. He wanted to hunt in a specific zone because his buddy lives there, and he wanted to go hunt with him, mm. and he wanted mm-hmm. to camp mm-hmm. out of his house. So we knew what zone he needed to apply for. And then I told him, Hey, here's how many non-resident tags are actually allowed to be, you know, given out of this zone. Sure. So then we talk about, Hey, what's the likeliness that you're actually going to be able to hunt there? Yeah. Right. So that's, that's essentially what it is. So, so basically the zones are, they're broken up areas and then there's certain amount of tags per zone that make up the entire state or any huntable area in the state that that game and fish will give out so each zone will be different and that's you know important to know that you know you might be applying for a zone that has a hundred tags you might be applying for one that has two tags and gosh you probably don't want to go applying for the two tag one because you might not even be a they might not even have a non-resident tag right <laughs> right right that so. makes sense now yeah. now if you're now just curious if you're applying for something related to a lottery, you know, just for hunters out there, even myself, you know, you're looking at something, you're applying for a lottery. Do you, do you typically pay up front for the chance? And then if you, if you don't, you know, get it, then you, then they give you your money back or is it, you know, what, what's the Good process of, of that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And it's, it's a stumbling block for some people. So <clears throat> Let me let me uh, let me give you the the broad stroke of this. Yes, you. So so most states have you have to buy a hunting license before you even apply. Okay. Not all, but but most of them do. So mm-hmm. you got to know that. Hey, if I'm applying to if I'm applying to Arizona, I mm-hmm. got to spend 160 bucks just to even apply for a, a, a tag wow. of any sort. Wow. Yeah. So if yeah. you're going to do that, then you also have to pay application fees so application okay. fees could be you know ten dollars they could be thirty dollars they could be fifty dollars depending on the animal in the state yeah and then on top of it in some states new mexico is a perfect example new mexico you have to pay for the license which is 65 bucks it's i don't think it's that expensive but you also have to put out all of the money up front for the tag. So if mm, your tag wow. nine hundred bucks, then you're out nine sixty five just to apply, and then you're wow. gonna get a refund back 
for your tag minus the application fee based on you not drawing. If you draw it, then you just get a tag sent to your house. Okay, gotcha. so, so if if you um, don't draw, though, do you only get the tag feedback or do you get that hunting license feedback or do they, they make you... Uh you know, they say, "Well, you didn't get your, you didn't get your non-resident elk tag, but you're welcome to come shoot jackrabbits." <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, New Mexico used to do. So up until 2018, New Mexico allowed you to actually refund your license. So you'd pay. I think at the time it was 60 bucks for the license. Now it's 65. But you got to you paid for the license, and then you also paid up front for whatever tag you wanted. So. Let's say I wanted uh, elk tag and uh, and a deer tag, so I would apply. That's you know five forty eight for the elk tag and three sixty eight for the deer tag. So I would pay up front for that. And uh, if I didn't get drawn, I'd get refunded those tag fees back. And then before I used to basically be able to give my license back too. Now they don't do that. So as of twenty eighteen mm. on, it's not it's a non refundable license wow. so gotcha. you would you know you would want to then you know if you're going to go out there you know in that case sure if not you know it's going for a great cause it's yeah gonna right help manage the public lands and, and game and fish so it's not right it's not too bad but you got to look at it as a you, you just donated to that state yeah yeah definitely you know i just did a another uh podcast where i was i was sitting on the other end of the headphones so to speak and we were talking about uh, that aspect. Of, it was it was on an article I wrote for uh, the magazine I write for, and uh, it was on uh, conservation. And you know, we were talking about how sometimes we as hunters can can um, just be like, hey, you know, I'm I'm a conservationist because I give money towards tags. And we were basically saying, you know, we need to be doing more than that than just that, but. At the same time, that money, it's not like it, it doesn't count, you know, and, and, um, that's a good, I never knew that, man, that's a great example of how hunting, um, whether the person cares about conservation or not, that money is going to be useful to these states to manage these public lands and, and help, uh, promote the the survival and and even even promote thriving populations of these game species on these public lands and so um wow that's a that's a major that's a major contribution that i didn't even know about that guys who aren't even getting to go hunt they're still willing to put that money in and as alex says it's going to a great cause so that's kind of how you have to look at it if you don't end up drawing and you know you you're probably not going to go still run to to one of those states to hunt small game or something like that yeah and use that license so you know that's that's kind of that's going to be kind of a tough one you know if, if you're applying to a state like that and that ends up happening to you but but i think that's the right attitude to have is um hey it's going to a good cause <laughs> but, yeah. well now alex i mean the question for you too just reference to you know, the odds side of things, do most of the states give you the odds or give you the number of tags so you kind of are educated on that front or, or, or do most not? No, they do. They're, they're very upfront with it. Oh, okay. I, mean, I, I use a lot of, I use all of the data from, from all the states. I use other publications and, you know, the only thing that'll be different is something can happen 
or, you know, kind of right before the draws will happen, some of the, the tags will change, you know, like, uh, last year, for example, in Wyoming, they, they lowered antelope tags on certain units. Well, mm. you know, I might've been talking about it with guys two months prior, and then mm-hmm. when we go in to draw for it or even apply for it. Uh, that those aren't the real numbers anymore because they lowered it by 40 tags. Right. And that can skew the, the data where you were guaranteed that draw to, you know, now you got to go probably another year to two years before you're going to draw it for that unit. So, right. Uh, so, so that's where, you know, communication needs to be good with, with game and fish. Uh, sometimes yeah. it is, sometimes it's, it's too late. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, the other, the other thing that, a lot of people don't think about it's you know wildfires droughts right uh, predator management like all those things do play a role where they can throw off the the tag numbers so for example you know if there's a wildfire right now in colorado and guys have tags they might not want you know 150 of those tags being harvested so so they right. could potentially ask for you to turn them in and give you a refund and mm. and and they can easily say hey it's it's because you're not going to want to hunt in a wildfire unit which is very valid but at the same point they probably don't want you harvesting those animals because they could be they could already be dead yeah you right. know so there's there's a lot of stuff that goes into it and that's that's really what it is it's it's the it's the time and the data that can really be the make or break for you so you really got to know what's going on so that, it's a good question, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it sounds like it's really like you've really got to be on top of those things because, like you said, even sometimes mid-season, depending on things that are going on, things are changing. Yeah, I mean, it's happening right now. There's wildfires out there right now, and they're they're, yeah. they're canceling the hunts or they're asking for you know guys to give you know they're giving guys refunds on their tags. Yeah, uh, you know, and obviously COVID's played a whole nother ball game of you know you're not allowed to travel to a certain state or you got a quarantine for 14 days. Right. So, you know, that's a, that's a whole nother ball game that this year just, wow. Talk about screwing some stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <really>. yeah. <laughs> I think I heard that was going on in Idaho and Idaho. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm, I'm newer to the hunting scene, but it seems like Idaho has been picking up some popularity, you know, I don't know yeah. if it was people just didn't, think much of idaho with you know the the classics of colorado and and um montana and wyoming so close by but um yeah that's that's really becoming a popular place for people to hunt and if like alex is saying you gotta spend two weeks of vacation not although are they if you're quarantining are they basically making you check into a hotel somewhere and you can't really leave the hotel or would you be allowed to show up and camp somewhere? I mean, I guess part of it is too, how are they going to know what you're doing? But do you, yeah. do you know what, do you know what that's kind of looking like or? Well, every state's different. I think, I think the difficulty is, you know, how do you manage it? So that's, that's the first one, right? Like nobody's right. following you around to know that you quarantine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the safe bet, you know, I don't know what's better quarantine than being out in the woods exactly. away from everybody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so very well said, you know, I, I think that's the dilemma. I, uh, you know, I got to go look at Kansas. Like I, I have a Kansas hunt coming up and they were, they were requesting that people from specific States quarantine. So they have okay. like a top six list. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, 
So again, you got to pay attention to that stuff. Uh, Alaska right now has a really interesting one where you have to take a you have to take a COVID test within 24 hours of basically getting on your flight, and then it has to show that you're negative in the time that you either get on the flight or the time that you land. They've changed it a couple times, so you you got to take like one of those rapid tests, or you sure. got to know that your results are coming within like 24 to 48 hours, or they won't let you like leave the airport essentially. Goodness yeah. gracious. Yeah, that so would be one where they could manage that a little bit more, too, because you're dependent on flying. Correct. So it that that's changed a couple of times. It was like before you flew, you had to prove that you were negative, And then now it was like it was within a 24 hour period. I think it changed three or four times. Uh, I, I got a buddy that's in Alaska right now. He had to he took the. He took the test 24 hours before he got on the flight, and then I think sure. he got the test results like that day when he was getting on the flight. So yeah, that's that's a know. good that's a good thing to you know. I didn't have that on my notes, but that that is a good thing to address. You know, it's just an extra level of planning and preparation that if you're planning to go, you need to think that through and kind of have a contingency yeah. plan if if you get you know by you know hopefully this wouldn't happen to somebody, but if they did find out they were COVID positive, now you got a whole new situation you got to figure out just to get back home, I imagine. So, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. That's, that's a, that's a good thing. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, let's just keep uh, kind of working down our list here though, on our uh, vocab. Um, uh, what about, uh, is, is random odds? Is that, is that pretty much the same thing as, as lottery? If, uh, if somebody reads that in their uh, application paperwork. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would say those, those two go pretty hand in hand. You know, when you say random odds, it's, you know, I, I always, I talk about raffle tickets, right? So you get your raffle ticket and I think about that big, big wheel they're rotating around, you know, and, right. And they stick their hand in there and, Oh, you, mm-hmm. you know, you won kind of a thing. So it's it, very similar to, to the lottery, just depending on, you know, how many, what are your odds in the first place and how many lottery tickets do you have essentially? Sure. And I assume then that limited draw and draw odds, those all go hand in hand with that as well, right? That's just basically saying that, hey, not everybody gets one. And these are your, based on previous year's data and how many tags we're selling this year, these are what your odds are. Is that kind of what that is, is talking about there? Yeah. Yeah, when you know when I hear limited draw or, or somebody was to read limited draw, you need to know that that is a that's a unit where they're managing it likely for you know a certain it's either a certain age population or they're managing it for like a certain buck to dough ratio, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and that means that you're gonna have to you know essentially you know you're gonna have to figure out how that draw works. Is it a right. bonus system? Is it preference points? what are your draw odds? Meaning like if you went into it the first time this year, like how likely are you to pick up that tag in your first year versus your fifth year and so on and so forth. So, yeah, you know, it gets that, that's where now we kind of get into more of, uh, and, and you know, I, I think it's on your notes of like preference points and, and bonus points and all that. So I'll let you get to that, but, but that's essentially where that information now kind of comes in. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hit that now. Let's what, when I hear that all the time, you know, and I've, I feel like I kind of know what they're talking about, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I don't really know. <laughs> so when, <laughs> yeah. some, when somebody's saying like, 
maybe let me let me try and approach it this way. Here's what I've thought it's meant. So I've heard guys talk about like they will be putting in for years for like some maybe limited draw unit. See, I'm learning. Uh, so <laughs> something that, that where where people are wanting that certain age class, that trophy class animal, and so they're not settling for the borderline over-the-counter units, you know, where where anybody can pretty much within a year or two of a, of applying can get can draw a tag. Um, so the way I've understood it is these people have either turned down, you know, like hey, congratulations, you uh, won the right to buy a tag, or they just haven't, for whatever reason, been able to, you know, they just haven't been lucky. They haven't, they haven't been drawn in the lottery for that tag. And so they're accumulating points somehow or something toward make it like basically extra entries into the pot. Is that mm-hmm. kind of what it means or am I way off? For your tip of the day, we're going to talk about something that is very relevant to the conversation at hand. Much of what Alex does deals around people hunting on public land. Public land is one of the greatest things we have in this country. The fact that you can literally just hop in your car or get on an airplane and get to you know, another state and uh, look on a map get in a rental car or drive your car to a a big piece of public land, hop out with your hunting tag and your uh, hunting gear and start chasing after wild game in another state, maybe even a different species than you have ever before. That to me is a big, big part of the freedom that we enjoy here in our great country. But it is a little bit more difficult to hunt these public areas a lot of times, okay? And the biggest reason for that is other hunting pressure. But that's not what I really want to focus on here. I want to focus on the fact that these animals still have to live somewhere. They still have to move through the airspace. They still have to use the habitat and the food that's available to them on these these pieces of really, for lack of a better term, set aside land where they, other than the hunting seasons, are pretty well undisturbed, okay? And so the reason I bring that up is sometimes when we pull up to the parking lot on a public piece and we see another car or two, we are like, well, this isn't going to work out. There's no way that I'm going to enjoy myself. There's, it's pointless to hunt here. I don't know where I'm going to hunt now. And we kind of start letting it run away with our emotions a little bit. This actually just happened to me. I had planned to do a, an opening weekend dove hunt with my best friend Weston, and my brother Jake ended up being able to come along, and I was going to take my son Jonas out for the first time ever going hunting, and uh, I woke up super early, woke up at about 4 a.m., and uh, uh, was planning to be on this piece by not much later than 5.30 in the morning. I figured that would get in there nice and early would give us the best chance of having the prime spot. 
and I pulled up at about 5.35 and there were two other trucks already in the parking lot and not even like the guys were still milling around, you know, getting their gear ready to go. No, these, these trucks were like cold, uh, been turned off for probably a good half hour already. Great, I thought. There's already this competition. So sure enough, I start kind of driving around a little bit. I call my buddy Weston up and start explaining the situation to him. And we decided, you know what, let's just go for it. We'll try and go over to the other side where I don't think these guys ended up going. And um, of course, it's impossible to see really. It was pitch black out yet. Um, but sure enough, we find a spot and uh, we bagged a few doves. And, you know, wasn't wasn't by any means the best dove hunting I've had, but it still was a lot of fun. We still uh, got some uh, doves and, and um, in fact, I was able to make the dove jalapeno poppers I've been uh, dreaming about all summer. So my point is, don't let the other pressure on public ground ruin your plans for you. Don't don't start getting all negative about it and thinking that it's a hopeless situation because in reality it's probably not. You can still enjoy a good day of hunting. Um, sometimes it might mean that you got to work together with the other people there and say, hey, I'll go this way, you go that way, or uh, just kind of keep an eye out for where they are and you kind of adjust to that. But keep that optimistic, that positive vibe of hey i'm just out here hunting i'm going to enjoy myself and uh, hopefully uh get to uh see some game and maybe even get to take that shot so use public ground use public ground understand the the inherent um hurdles that come along with it but certainly don't let it scare you off from enjoying one of the greatest bits of freedom we have in our country now back to the show on tag acquisition with Mr. Alex Gruen. Uh, I, I, I think, I think you're close in, in one regard and often another. And, and, and why I say that is because if you're in the, because you, you had mentioned kind of the lottery. Yeah. And, and then, and then when you look at the, the bonus points or, or preference points, those can be two separate things. And okay. here's what I mean by that. If you're in the random draw or the random odds and, and it's a state that doesn't have points, okay, then your odds are just as good as anybody else's to draw. Mm. That okay. 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 Yep. Right. Yep. So, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, let, let's use New Mexico. New Mexico does not have any kind of points. They they don't have any bonus points. They have no preference points. You can't accumulate points. You're you're basically thrown in in the mix with everybody else. And if you get called up, you get it. So so you basically some some people like it because they feel like their odds are exactly the same as somebody else's. Right. 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 And some people hate it because they're like, gosh, I've been draw- I've been doing the same thing for 20 years and I still haven't drawn the tag. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. So so then you go into states that have bonus points or preference points. Those now give you sometimes an upper hand. So or let's say most of the time they give you an upper hand. So preference points means that if you are applying to a preference point state, the person that has the most points has preference. So okay. if if you know you yourself applied for 10 years 
and you want to hunt unit 44 in Colorado for deer, and you know, for example, or I know that last year, the top point holder had nine points and they drew that tag. Now we would likely know that you with 10 points would probably draw that tag next year because you'd probably be the top point holder in that unit. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. That makes sense. So, so then I, I would basically say, okay, well, you know, you have 10 points. If you want to hunt this unit that has great trophy potential, go put in for it. You're, you're, you got almost a hundred percent odds unless somebody now comes in with 12 points and mm. takes your tag because they have more preference than you. Sure. Right. Are there, yep. are there different ways to build points or is it, you know, based on longevity of, you know, trying to draw a tag or, or things like that? Yeah. So that's a great, that's a great question. So, uh, yes, there is. So you can apply. So for example, let's say you applied for a unit and it's a preference point state and mm-hmm. you did not draw the tag, then you will get a point for next year. Okay. Now there's also times, uh, I'll use myself as an example. I, I have, I think I have six or seven points this year for, a, for a deer tag in Colorado. And I, I, I still want to add more points because I know what unit I want to get to. Yeah. I, I know I need three more points likely to feel like I got a pretty good chance of getting there. So instead of even putting my name in the hat and wasting, you know, my time for it, I just go and apply for a point. Oh, okay. So you can just say, Hey, I want to go, I want to buy a point and I know yeah. the point is going to cost me whatever, 50 bucks. Uh, that's yeah. it. And I don't even have to worry then about that time on the schedule of me potentially drawing that tag. It's kind of like, you know, you're buying it and it's a safe bet that you know, you're not going to be on the schedule hunting at all. Right. Okay. Okay. And, and there's a maximum of one point per year, basically. Right. Yeah. You can't, okay. you can't buy more. Uh, it can't be skewed to the kind of the biggest, uh, biggest dollar, you know, yes. person. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, now bonus points. Here's where it can get kind of interesting. Uh, certain states have bonus points, meaning that it's it, it gives you an extra opportunity in the draw. So, so if you drew, if you applied for five years and you were not successful, mm-hmm. then you have now five lottery tickets for next year's draw, or six t- lottery tickets for next year's draw. Right. So in that big uh, wheel that I was talking about that's got everybody's raffle ticket. Now your name is in there six times versus one time. Right? Wow. Okay. Does okay. that make okay. sense? Yeah. And then yeah. next year it's going to be in there seven times or eight gotcha. times. Gotcha. Okay. Right? So that's the difference of a bonus point versus a preference point. The preference point is the top point holder always will get the tag and then the next guy underneath them and the next guy until it gets to all of the, the most preference people got all their tags and then whoever didn't then they're going to get points for the next year bonus points they don't really guarantee you anything they're basically just saying hey you got more chances in the draw because your name's in the pot a little bit more right okay okay so then based on this this is something i've kind of been catching on to um if you really want something kind of like you kind of need to be doing what you're doing with that deer hunt in colorado you you um every year should be knowing when the deadline is for applying for those, those, uh, the, the right term here is preference points, right? Where you're, you're wanting to accumulate 
more and more points each year, even though you know you're not going to be hunting there. So you kind of almost have to put that on your schedule, right, to to be doing that each year just to make sure you have that chance? Yeah, I mean, every year's different. But, you know, if, if you're like me, and and I apply to pretty much every every Western state, I have to, you know, I only have so much time that I could be hunting every right. year. And, and granted, I am blessed and have the ability to go and hunt, you know, sometimes 20 to 30 days a year, which is not what most people can do. Right. But yeah. if you got one week, you probably want to know what that one week is going to be. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, if you're going to go and put in for four different tags at four different times. And what if you draw two of those tags? Well, now what are you, what are you going to do? Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So having a blueprint or having a plan is going to be super, super vital. And that's, that's what a lot of, I, I kid you not. I talked to a guy this year, uh, and I, and I know him personally, but <clears throat> he drew two tags this year. He drew a tag in, in Colorado and then he drew a tag in Nevada. And, and I'm like, well, what tag did you draw in Nevada? Cause Nevada is, if you, get, if you don't know, Nevada is hands down one of the best states, managed really well, and it's got really, really good trophy quality. Colorado, mm. n- you know, Colorado for some reason is the dream of everybody, but it's not really, it, it's not a, it's not what I would consider the greatest trophy state of any sort. It's a, it's an opportunity state. Right. Okay. And uh, and he's like, oh yeah, I'm so excited for my Colorado hunt. And I was like, well, what unit are you hunting? And he tells me, and I was like. It's really, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. That's I wouldn't be that excited. What'd you draw in, in Nevada? And he's like, oh, I drew this unit. And I was like, dude, you do realize there were, there were three tags there, and you drew one of the three tags. Wow. <laughs> and he was like, I had no idea. I just threw my name in the hat, and I got it. And I was like, dude, you should not even go to Colorado and go yeah. for a week in Nevada. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. That, you're never going to draw that tag again. Like, he likely yeah. will never never draw another elk tag the way that he did in Nevada. And in Nevada, if you do draw a bull elk tag, even if you don't kill a bull, you still can't even apply for another seven years. Oh Whoa. my goodness. So, wow. so, so that just, you know, right. Like it just adds to the importance of like, okay, so now, you know, who knows how many years he's been putting in now he can't even yeah. apply for seven more. And then he's got to build all the points to even get a chance again. Like your odds are going to be, he's going to be, 30 years in, maybe drawing that tag again. Wow. My goodness. Right. Well, I mean, that's really cool though, to have you connected to him like that in the sense of you're, you're really helping these people out to realize yeah. what they have. You know I mean? That's pretty amazing. Right. But, but to, to that point, you're, you're spot on, right? It's like some people just don't know what they have. It, it, right. It's like, uh, we were talking about, uh, you, you know, where they go and they have storage units and they go and like bid on the storage units. Yes. <laughs> And you have no idea what's in there, right? It's kind of that that same premise of like, oh, you're going to open up a box and you're like, oh, these these, these are just junk comic books. But then you realize like they're worth like five hundred thousand dollars. Yes, right, yeah. right. Like yep. that tag for three people could be worth that. That could be like governor's tag could be worth a couple yes. hundred thousand dollars, and he just drew it, you know. Yes, right. So yeah, you got you definitely you definitely got to have a plan. You need to know what you're applying for so you can really kind of map it out. Yeah. Man, that is so cool. Yeah, yeah. 
that is that's a really important <laughs> conversation he had with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think it also highlights like, you know, okay, let's be honest here. You know, if if I'm talking as Brandon, you know, yeah, I'd be one of those people who who would probably say, Yeah, I mean Colorado. I mean Colorado is I've always heard Colorado is but you know, here talking to someone who who really knows, like, eh, you know, maybe that's not, you know, if you really are able to get a tag elsewhere, man, somewhere else might be a lot better. So, I mean, it's very interesting how we as hunters, you know, we hear things and we tend to just think we, we get, we start to have these presuppositions that yeah, Colorado is the best state ever for elk or, you know, whatever. And, you know, that just goes to show that many times we don't really know. We're just kind of a product of what we've heard over the years, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and I understand, you know, everybody dreams of a Colorado elk hunt. Like that's like, that's like the, the envisioning of going out West. Like, yes. Right. And, yeah. and I get that. And I indirectly lived that. And, and yeah. th- right. That wasn't, you know, I just got to live there, which put me in a fortunate position, but, uh, the, the elk herds there, they have, you know, 200,000 plus elk. Right. So, so they, yeah. they have the largest, elk population but that doesn't mean that that that's gonna be a good hunt right right? yeah because it also means that there's a million hunters (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah going there (laughs) right and there's a lot better places that you can go for no preference points to hunt and you're probably going to have a way better experience because i could tell you and and i and i i wrote a blog post on it that one of the very first things is rolling up to your trailhead that you think you are going to just go in on and you realize there's 20 other guys there and you're just like, Oh, like the, the yeah. air just got sucked out of me. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's what you don't want when you just paid $2,000 for your trip. And that's, that's like something you've been waiting on forever. And you just, you feel defeated before you even started. <laughs> yes. Well yep. said. That's right. A, right. That's a well, great and, you know, point. This, this brings up a great point too, because, you know, we were talking about, you know, just the importance of planning things. And many times people may plan something because they're like, you know what, man, I've always dreamed of this and I'm going to plan it and I'm going to spend a lot of money and man, I'm going to do it, you know, three years from now so I can, you know, get the funds together. I can, you know, whatever. And then, like you said, you might, after all of that planning, pull up to a trailhead and be, and realize, oh, you know, and you're like, oh man, if I had known more information or I had, you know, maybe I would have, maybe I would have made a different decision, you know? So, you, you know, there's a lot of time, money and resources that go into this it, the, just the importance of researching it well and connecting with someone like you is just, it just shows the importance of it all. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, you know, I, I just say it's, it's looking out for you, right? Like, yeah. If, if anything, use the resource for what it's worth, you know, because it's, that's what you're paying for at the end of the day. Right. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's a nominal anything of information that's going to help you have a much better experience. Right. And at the end of the day, like we were talking about the adventure, like, even if I just went out there for the adventure, I'm going to enjoy it, but I, I still want to be in a really good place. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <You know>? Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So for what it's worth, you know, that's, that's how I envision it. And, and I'm yes. not, you know, I, I love the adventure of it. You're right. But you know, yeah. I, I still want to have a good experience there. Yeah. Well, I, you're definitely right. And I think anytime you add money into the, the equation, 
you know, like you said, it's it's one thing to be living in a place and to be, you know, maybe you've got some personal land that you hunt. Maybe you, you know, you're all about the adventure and, and all that. But anytime you go out on a hunt, it's not that you want a guarantee because any legitimate hunter understands there's never a guarantee unless you're hunting high fence, which, you know, people like us would, would typically not support, you know. So if you're going out on a free range hunt, you understand there's not a guarantee. But like you said, you still want to be in a, in a legitimate place where you're going to have an opportunity potentially. Um, when you're, you know, putting money out there and, and things like that. So, I mean, just giving people, like you said, looking out for them and giving them the best opportunity as possible is, is the best that, that we can do. And I mean, I know for someone like me, you know, especially guys, I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot of guys that are, especially men going to plan things without, you know, necessarily asking for help, you know, you, you, whereas if you had a couple women, they would probably plan the best hunt ever. They'd be getting all the help and everything. Us, <laughs> us guys, you know, we yeah. Out there, yeah, we're just going to, we're going to figure it out ourselves. We're going to do this and that. And next thing you know, like, oh dear, yeah, <laughs> you know, so I mean the importance of asking for help and, and using those resources is just key. Well, yeah. You know, you can read the directions and then you can also ask for some directions. <laughs> That's right. Well said, well said. <laughs> Oh man, I think everybody's in a different place though. <laughs> yes, well said. <laughs> yep. I love it. Yeah, that's. I really appreciate it. Just you explaining the point side of things because just like Kent, you know, I had kind of heard of it. I know Kent has had more of an understanding than me, even, but you know, just hearing that explained really makes a lot of sense with things. You know, to to really kind of put put all the pieces together as we're talking through this. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's like the. I think it lays the, lays the groundwork really well. You know, it's like, you know, if you're building a house, you gotta, you gotta have the foundation laid. This really kind of lays that foundation out for you to really just, you, you gotta know what you're getting into. And it kind of gives yes. you the, the, the stuff that's really going to help you understand what you're getting into right off the bat. Yes. Well said. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. So with that in mind and man, there's, <laughs> you've kind of mentioned this too. There are so many different directions we could go, you know, with with <laughs> with how to talk about this and approach this. I think a good spot would be somebody's listening and they're like, you know what, maybe I need to be thinking about, hey, this is where I want to hunt and I need to be putting in so either I can maybe still get a trip in this year or um, at least start building some points. Um, what's coming up here soon that people need to be thinking about for, for, um, application deadlines and, and what, are there any that you know of a, any applications that are still good for the 2020 hunting season or is everything in the context of you're putting in now for 2021? Well, you know, it's kind of crazy to think that we're even talking about this in September, right? Uh, I think right the early archery seasons had just started. Obviously we know Delaware's rolling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> Love it. But you know, like, like archery, uh, Colorado elk just, just started. The guys are out, you know, as of the second. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's early, but the reality is once you start hitting October, November, you're already, you have to be ready for Alaska. Alaska is your, if you think about dream hunts of big voyage, you know, doing something unreal, Alaska has got to be on your books. Yeah. And that is, that's really the first Western state that we could really say that, that has a draw going on. So that's in December. Okay. And Alaska has got a lot. 
So, yeah, <laughs> you know, no if you, kidding. you want, goodness. you want the big, the big, uh, animals, as we talked about the grizzlies and, and, uh, you know, the muskox, there's, there's a lot going on there. So, you know, I, I think that's something to be ready for the, the middle of the month is pretty much the deadline. So you have to be in before, I think it's December 14th or 15th, which, you know, I, I, I think if you are planning a hunt to Alaska, you realistically probably are, you should be planning two years ahead. Yeah. Right. Sure. right. So, you know, because, because one, you're applying in December, you're going to find out your draw in the, you know, first quarter of 2021. And some of the tags that you get aren't going to be even, you're not even hunting until February or March of 2022. Right. So, so you got to be prepared for that. But the good stuff for Alaska is it's, it's a random draw odd state. There's no preference of any sort. You, you know, you're just, you're putting your name in the hat. The The cool thing with Alaska, though, is you you get choices. So basically, when you're applying or I'm applying for the person, we're looking at what where do they really want to hunt? Where do they want to hunt? And then we can select either six different places or we can put six of the same place on there to give them better odds of drawing. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, so, that's interesting. Yeah, it's a little bit different. You pay for essentially the application of it, which, you know, you you do have to buy a license. You are paying for the application fee, which is, you know, I I think it's pretty nominal. It's it's not all that much, but yeah, um, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be out the 160 bucks either way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You know that. Yeah. And then the other, the other thing guys need to know and, and gals need to know is if you are looking for. To, to hunt dull sheep, mountain goat, or grizzlies, you have to have a guide. Mm. And before you apply, you actually have to have a guide already arranged because they have to give you a code okay. that you enter. Wow. Because they don't want a non-resident going on those by themselves. Right. Um, the other thing, now that you can get away from that, they do allow you like a second degree of kin. So basically like a family member could be your guide. Sure. But okay. then they have to prove that they're going out with you and so on and so forth. So uh, keeping yeah. it simple, you're going to need a guide. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Wow. That's good to know. There are, but a lot of people now, aren't aware of that. When I was going to ask you, you know, reference to the resident versus non-resident it, in some of these states, is it does it does it not really matter if you're resident or non-resident? You're still applying for the tags, or you know, in some it, it does make a difference. Or how does that work? Oh, oh it, it definitely matters. If you're a yeah. resident in a state, you have the massive upper hand. Okay. Okay. One because your your tag fees or license fees are drastically lower, so you got to know yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, the other one is almost every state only gives away. You know, let's let's say uh, on on the most lenient end uh, for non-residents, sixteen percent of tags for non-residents in okay. one state. Most states are ten percent max of gotcha. okay. tags. Okay, okay. So so wow. yeah, you you know, there's there's a much lower pool for uh, non-residents when they're applying. So yeah, the residents have the upper hand uh, hands down. Okay. And, 
yeah, you got you got to know that. I mean, that's what puts the limitation on, on the draws, you know. Now, yeah. now Alaska is interesting because you are are not actually in a pool that's different. So non-residents and residents get thrown in the same raffle essentially. Oh, wow. okay. So huh. there's no there's no separate raffle for residents and separate for non-residents, which most states do that. Um, yeah. They, you know, here it's just, hey, my name's in with Joe that lives there. And if my name gets picked, it gets picked. Like it is the most random draw of the random draws. <laughs> right. Wow. Very interesting. Right. Yeah, that is. <laughs> I would have never guessed that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're, they're pretty. I I mean, personally, I I'm a I'm a advocate for it. And I I mean, my muskox hunt is a perfect example. I applied for it for only two years. I know people that have been applying for it for 30 years and Whoa. haven't drawn it. <laughs> yeah. And and it's, hey, I, I put my choice, the same choice for all six, threw my name in the hat, and here we go. You know, it, it get drawn. So, yeah. hey, l- lucky odds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know. Yep, definitely. Well, what so. would you say What would you say is kind of like the, 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 the most popular – hunt that you see in terms of like location and animal type and, and things of that nature uh elk elk and deer are hands down the two most popular I, I i give elk the you know the number one slot for sure just because it's yeah you know it is still a species that you're probably going to travel for you know you you know yeah. i hate to say it but i got deer in my backyard where they're walking down my street <laughs> yeah you know yeah yeah i i see them all the time it kind of like i love whitetail hunting but I see them all the time. So it's not the draw that you're going right. to get when you're like in the mountains and you know, you're in the middle of nowhere feeling with elk just screaming. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a, that's an eerie feeling by the way. It's amazing. But I if, bet. If, if you haven't felt it, man, it's going to give you some chills down your spine in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I, I want, I want to have that experience sometime soon. That is for sure. Yeah. Those guys, those yeah. friends of ours that are, that are heading to, colorado to to hunt elk you know they 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 sold me on on chasing after some elk so oh you know i think we should mention too um we we talked a little bit about how you know you you need to do your research to to figure out where your best chances are to see animals but if if in over-the-counter hunt to to a state like colorado that yeah gets some pressure and and so forth you need to understand that going up, you know, going, going forward, that that's, that's part of it, but mm-hmm. by all means, you yeah. know, if that's what I, I got to think that for a lot of Midwestern people, they end up doing that trip because it's, it's the closest Western state, you know, that offers a large huntable population. And I, and I think if I remember correctly, Colorado has the greatest number of elk of the western states and so so um there's there's certainly some some good opportunities to be had but yeah alex is right you got to know kind of where you stand when you when you choose to do that so there's just maybe some additional competition hurdles you got to get past but yeah but you can't can't kill an elk from the couch so if uh that's what no you can't if that's what you can do (laughs) And that, and another thing about that too is, because not only those guys that we've from Fly True that are going, uh, other guys we've talked to, they go out year after year, which is another nice thing about an over-the-counter state is, you know, you can kind of almost build a tradition, and then in do mm-hmm. in doing so, you can 
kind of learn the tricks around the competition and, and so forth. But yeah, but um, as far as times to go and where to go at that time, kind of thing. But yeah, uh, any other uh, big states coming up soon though that we need to know about? Yeah, I mean Wyoming is your next one. You got non-resident elk coming in and end of January, and that's that's your due date. And then um, sheep, moose, goat, and bison come up end of February. Uh, and then you got Arizona. Arizona, Arizona's got some wonky stuff going on there. I'm a great trophy state, but uh, they do elk and antelope first. So you're, okay. it's kind of middle of February. My guess right now is February 9th is the due date. Now that could mm. change by a few days. Um, and then you get into in Montana, Utah, and New Mexico. Uh, Montana is elk and deer that come up first. Utah is it's all species that come up in March. And then New Mexico, uh, I think it's going to be March 17th date from what I'm looking at right now. But same deal. You got all your all your species due by then. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, it's a lot on the docket. But, you you know, if you're thinking, you know, you want to do one of these hunts, you, you again, want to plan it ahead. Because you're, if you're planning it now, you're almost, what, a year in. Yeah, you're a little over a year out. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's. So. Yeah, it's good to know that because now's the time to be planning for sure. Got to get that. Got to get that nailed down in order to make it a realistic thing. So, and like you said, with your Alaskan hunt, ninety percent logistics, <laughs> and obviously, going out and and hunting in the lower forty-eight is almost always going to be less of an undertaking than. <laughs> Than going on a musk ox, uh, musk ox hunt on the top of the world, but yeah, but uh, yeah. <laughs> there's still there's still so especially if you're new to it there's still so much that you got to put into it so now's the time definitely yeah um so with that let's talk a little bit about you know I think I think we can probably start to we can probably start to get this feeling of, wow, this is all sounding really good, but it's almost like a, uh, a timeshare, an aggressive timeshare sales pitch here, you know, where it's like <laughs> for this $50 gift card, plus, you know, two free nights at our resort, you just got to sit there, you know, and you're like in, in, in the back of your mind, you're like, this all sounds so good, but there's got to be a catch and that catch is going to be somewhere hitting me in the wallet what what do we got to start looking at here with cost wise now i kind of want to talk here with you mentioned the hunting license thing where you gotta you gotta get a hunting license before you can even apply to some of these states so we need i want to kind of hit that a little bit just so people kind of know what the bottom line is even through the application process and of course we Mm -hmm. can't get super specific here because we could we could talk forever on that but but um what kind of things do people need to expect that way? But also I know there's some States that have some weird requirements. For instance, um, my in-laws live in New Hampshire and uh, I'd love to hunt out in New Hampshire at some point, but they have some kind of weird like bow hunter education thing. You got to have some sort of certification in and, and uh, maybe there's like habitat stamps that you got to keep track of. I mean, what kind of things do mm. people need to be looking out for? Yeah, I mean, I I know what you're talking about as far as the uh, the um, you know you, you need a hunter safety 
card or course, okay, right? So yep, that's, yep. that's first and foremost, right? You could do that online. And I think now you can do the full thing online with, with COVID going on. But uh, you have usually some kind of an in-person test out that's, you know, six, eight hours that you're having to do in your state. So that's yep. always number one if you're just getting into hunting. Now, sure. If you've hunted already, then you already have that. You don't have to worry about it. But in some states, New Hampshire being one of them, you're right. And, and some out west, uh, I could tell you Idaho is one of them that that catches people off guard or Montana a lot. And uh, Alaska is also one of them. They're stringent on it. You can't archery hunt if you don't have the uh, international bow hunters uh, course. So you mm. need to get that set up. Okay. And, and again, it's, it's very similar. It's just it's basically uh you know hunter safety but with a bow so you're going over Mm -hmm. just the specifics of a bow Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know i would say probably the most interesting thing that i got out of mine was was tracking you know uh archery you know if you're wounding something or whatnot Mm -hmm. i I thought that was pretty interesting and then you know for for us guys that have tree stand hunted uh we know obviously what that's like and making sure you're wearing your harness, but they put a pretty big emphasis on wearing a harness if you're going to be mm-hmm, in a tree stand. Right. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. probably your two biggest things that, that, uh, that come out of it. But you know, the, the, the thing is you don't want to not have that and think you're, you're going to apply. And then now right. you, you don't have the number and then we can't put you in for the application and you can't get it in time. And now you lose out for the season. Right. Yeah. Right. right. So yeah, that's good. Now, you asked for you were you were asking as far as like fees and and licenses and costs and stuff like that yeah so i mean realistically here are people having to pay for like the international bow hunter course and i think hunter safety is other than you know they might make you pay a few bucks to to pick up your card or whatever at the end i think the course itself a lot of times if it's not free, it's really affordable. Um, mm-hmm. But but um, are people going to be accruing a, you know a hefty bill from doing some of this other stuff plus plus like the the licensing fee ever before they buy a tag or maybe they won't even you know be awarded that tag? Do people need to be prepared to put up you know maybe two hundred dollars or something like that and still not be able to hunt? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty fair. I, I, you know, here, here's kind of how I would look at it. I I just had this conversation with, uh, I, you know, he's a client, but he's, he's definitely a future hunter for, for going out West. And, you know, I, I basically just said, Hey, you know, start stashing some, you know, fun money away for yourself. Yeah. And it might not be a year from now, you know, if you're putting a hundred bucks away or 50 bucks or whatever it is, you know, make sure that's your goodie pot that you're not touching. And that's, you know, what you're going to use for your hunt. I think for most guys, this might sound crazy that I'm saying it, but a a bow hunting or, or any kind of hunt on a budget going out West, if you can do it for 1500 bucks, you're, you're doing it really cheap. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's good. That's good perspective. Yeah. It's good info. Yeah. That's, that's just how you got. And, and what I'm, what I'm really putting focus in there, like I'm a hyper detailed person. I could talk with guys for days on, on gear and, and what to put together, but you gotta, you gotta look at, are you flying? Are you driving? You have to look at, you know, your food situation. And then you mm-hmm. just have to look at like fuel and then you got to throw in your tag. Your tag is going to be one of the most expensive, if not the most expensive thing. So 
I'll just I'll use everybody's favorite state of Colorado. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Colorado is you have to have a small game license, so that's eighty bucks. And then you have to have a habitat stamp. So that's another ten dollars. Okay. So that's ninety bucks just to get in. Then what they what they did, which I'll 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 be cautious here. I'm I'm not a fan of what they did the past couple of years, but I I get what they're trying to do. They try to get more people to apply. Uh, their their tag fees essentially you you go and apply, and let's say let's say we applied you for mule deer and antelope this year, you would basically have to pay nine dollars to apply for mule deer. You'd have to apply nine bucks for antelope. Okay. So there's another eighteen bucks. So what are we? I think we're at one hundred eight. One hundred eight. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. Now, if your tag gets drawn, then you're going to get your credit card charge charged the day that the draw takes place, and you're going to be you're going to be in three ninety five for each tag. Okay. Okay. okay so that's what four hundred, four hundred, so eight hundred. You're at nine oh eight right now, minus ten bucks. So what? Yeah. Uh, eight ninety eight. Wow. Yep. Okay. So. So that's if you're hunting both species. If you're only hunting one, take 400 away. You're, you're mm-hmm. in a pretty good spot. We're talking what 500 bucks. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so I can go that if I'm looking at it. Oh man, I get to go mule deer hunt for less than 500 bucks for my tag and stuff. I think I think that's actually really cheap to be honest. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you're really yeah. looking at hunting out. Less. Definitely. Right. Well right? said. And then, then now you have to consider your, your other stuff, but, but that's it, you know, when you're thinking about your tag and your, and your license and whatnot, uh, if, if you draw, that's, that's what it is. If you don't draw, you just paid that application fee. You got yourself a point, you spent a hundred bucks to do it and let's move on to the next state or don't do anything. Go hunt in your home state and pad your piggy bank a little bit more for next year for something, something different, or maybe, maybe, maybe the same hunt, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's wow. That is just really, really important information. I think, you know, it helps us understand what's reality. And that's something we've talked about probably almost every episode is we have other responsibilities. And part of that is our vacation time that we're allowed. Part of that is if we don't want to cut our families off back at home from having Mm -hmm. the, you know, making sure we're taking care of them financially and, and not just, blowing our money on ourselves and and um uh just having that realistic understanding but what i'm taking from this as well is we need to educate ourselves on what all those fees are because it's going to get discouraging not only for us but for our families when we're like oh i need another hundred dollars for this extra thing or i need um I need to put money here for a habitat stamp. I need to put, mm-hmm. I need to spend some money on taking that bow hunters course. You know, we need to look at what exactly each state requires and be looking for these things specifically. And I think not even just in the tag application world, but just knowing hunting laws in general, yeah. where where we get ourselves sideways a little bit is we just go off of what our friend or somebody else has told us that they they did this hunt one time and they think that it was this, this, and this. Well, as we said at the beginning of the show, rules change from year to year. 
and yeah. they might not even remember all the extra details. Case in point, I have I have tags to hunt Illinois, which um, by the way, I have a heavy heart right now, guys. I got a text <laughs> from uh, the the friend of mine who's let me hunt his property, which is super yeah. generous. Two like mature bucks got they were mm-hmm. they were you know running together got hit at the same time by uh-huh. someone driving the point is that's a bummer point is yeah i got tag and it's gonna be fine there illinois is a trophy buck state so it's, it's a destination mm-hmm. whitetail state and, and i'm hunting a great county so i gotta stay positive but my point of all this yeah. is <clears throat> um i have my tags uh I feel like I could go hunt as soon as the season rolls around, but that's not necessarily the case. I have to still get my hunting license and I still have to pay my habitat fee because all right. I did was apply for those tags and I was I was awarded those tags. And so people can get themselves in a little bit of trouble there because nothing's stopping me from going and hunting, right? I have my tags. Right. But then, yeah. uh oh, I call in and report my harvest. Wait, where's your? We don't have you as having even having a hunting license. We don't have you as even having right. paid the habitat fee. Or maybe one of these other states that has this bow hunting course. You never took the bow hunting course, so you got to make sure you have all this stuff lined up because you want to talk about when things get expensive. It's when you're uh, <laughs> paying tickets for for and then possibly yeah. <laughs> even you know you do fulfill your dream you harvest the animal but now it's confiscated because you were technically poaching unintentionally right. hopefully yeah. uh, but but there's a lot to keep track of there and i don't say that though to scare us away i say that because it's just it's a responsibility thing honestly this can be kind of seem kind of complicated to figure this all out but just putting in that time that it deserves for us to consider what is it that I need to have all my ducks in a row. Just make sure you do that. Just make sure you go that extra mile. And if you're not sure, reach out to a guy who does it professionally like Alex. Yeah, it might cost you some money yeah. for the consult, but they earn that money. They, they specialize in this stuff for a reason. And they will get you set up and make sure that it's all it, that you are squared away. So if you do feel like you can't understand it all, like, cause I know I've read those, those regulations, things are unclear sometimes, you know, you're just, you, yeah. you need to have that experienced guy that to walk you through it. Well, Alex is that guy. So, so find, find Alex. If you're, um, if your head is, is spinning right now, you know, and, 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 um, you know, and even if it's not, even if you, you know, you're like, where should I go hunt? Well, Alex is going to be able to help you with that too. Just like that tip that he had for his friend who got that tag in, in Nevada compared to his tag that he drew in, in Colorado. So, you know, talk to, talk to these guys who specialize in this stuff, because they're going to help you line up all those details. They're going to help you, um, have realistic expectations, which is another huge part of it. And, and maybe even help fill in the gaps as far as you want to hunt somewhere cool every year. Well, having realistic expectations goes hand in hand with that because some places it's going to take you a few years of applying for. So Alex would be able to tell you that place. Yep. Let's keep building some points there or or keep throwing our name in the hat at least. And maybe one of these years we'll get lucky. Um, But in the meantime, you're always going to be able to, or at least almost always going to be able to get a tag here and you'll have a lot of fun hunting there. And so 
I think that that's that's another big part of it too because we don't want to we don't want to leave all of our hunting for that you know (laughs) that that crazy odds one of three tags drawn (laughs) for Mm -hmm. no you know you you want to you you want to be staying busy in the field in between now and then and and living out those those uh, dreams and memories you know so I think I think that's all on. Well, Alex, we're drawing near the the ninety minute mark here, man. This was such a good episode. I yeah, we need to have you back on. I I hope you'd be willing to to give us some more time because there's so much more we could talk about and and um, you know, just it's obvious that your experience has has um been diverse and. I think beneficial to us. I know for sure Brandon and myself are going to come away from this having a much better understanding. But oh my there's goodness, yeah. there's so much more to learn and so much more to to pick up on it. So we got to have you back on, man. Well, I'd I'd love that. And yeah, again, thank you for the time. It's uh, it's good just to chat it out. But you know, more importantly, knowing that you're uh, you know you're benefiting a good cause too. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely. I get excited about the, you know, whether it's the first hunter that, you know, they're, they're just doing it for the first time or, or the expert of it. It's that there's a joy to it. So I hope somebody's getting something out of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, well, you know, at least I have and Brandon has, (laughs) but but I I guarantee you anyone who listens in is going to, I think a lot of, I think a lot of people, I mean, you know, someone, you know, whether it's someone, you know, on the Kent side of things in terms of, you know, you know, you could say zero to 10 years of, of hunting experience, but like has a true passion for it and, you know, is just falling in love with it and foresees themselves, you know, traveling somewhere and, and trying to do something. But man, where do I start? Or someone more along the lines of, you know, 20 to 30 or more years of experience and kind of maybe just have, have enjoyed what they love, whether it's whitetails or whatever, but wanting to say, man, what else is out there? I'm, I'm excited to learn more and do more and man i mean to me this has just been <clears throat> treasure trove of information so i mean honestly it's it's encouraging me like man i want to get out there and and do something you know so i might be in touch with the alex i mean man hey <laughs> there you go i mean i'm Let's excited so we we appreciate you educating us and and helping us you know and the listeners you know be willing like we said to to get out of their comfort zone try something new plan appropriately and and hopefully you know, live those adventures, you know, whether it's in Alaska or whether it's somewhere, you know, stateside, I mean, you know, go on an adventure, engage in the process, enjoy it. You know, that's what we're all about. Yeah. I love that. That's well said. And and I think, you know, with the information, again, it it can be daunting Mm -hmm. and I want to keep it as simple as possible. (laughs) And what I, what I don't want to do is I never want to discourage anybody from going out to these places or just, hunting at all right like just get outdoors and enjoy it and then take the baby steps because everybody's got those Mm -hmm. and when you're ready to get that leap going it is i hate to say it but it's an addiction yeah you're (laughs) right no that's the word that's the word (laughs) once you get into it it's gonna keep going but you know what like it's it's gosh there's so much other stuff that you could be doing and this is probably one of the best things that you know, yes. you're going to get something out of him. And I'll, I'll leave it with this. You know what? You mentioned something on cost um, and, you know, the family and all that. I, I think what a lot of people forget, uh, you can do hunts that are not trophy hunts. You can go and get a cow elk tag or 
Right. Uh, doe deer tag. Get out with your buddies. Those are less costly, yeah. but it also is going to get you a lot of meat. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and that yep. saves you on your grocery bill. And if you can justify yeah. that, it yeah. pays for itself. Yeah. Well said. Well said. So, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a leaving thought, but you know, I, I always think about that gosh, for the family, like if I can get a couple yeah. hundred pounds of meat in the freezer and I'm not having to buy, you know, beef from the store, well, that's going to yeah. save me a few hundred dollars easily this year, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I really love that perspective because at the end of the day, we are about primarily the adventure and the enjoyment of the outdoors, not about harvesting, you know, a, a quote unquote trophy animal. So you're absolutely right. I mean, those who are thinking about a hunt, man, maybe that's the maybe that's a great way to start planning it. You know, you don't necessarily plan to go on a trophy hunt. You plan to go out there and maybe do, like you said, a, a, you know, a, a cow hunt, you know, something like that, you know, where you're you're hunting you know, something that's going to really benefit you in terms of the meat, but also just, just a way to start out the adventure. So, I mean, that's a really great point. Cause I think a lot of hunters just think, man, I got to, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go all in. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to do that. In fact, that it may not be a good way to do it because you're, you know, you're, you're kind of putting a lot of pressure on yourself and on the situation versus just going out there and joining an adventure. And man, if you get a cow elk, you get a, you know, you get a doe, you get whatever, man, you've gone in and you've started that process of the adventure and you, cause you can always build on it. You know, it's not, it's not a one and done. You can always build on it. So, I mean, that's a really, that's a really great ending point to just note for those of us who, you know, have yet to take the leap, but man, we're looking at it. That's appreciate that encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. Stay positive on that part. And I, I appreciate yeah. it guys. That's great. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. Hey, one last thing here, Alex. Uh, if there was, and of course, I want I want to hear from you how how people can get in touch with you. But but before that, if there was one state and one animal that would be like a good over the counter thing for people to look to, it doesn't necessarily have to be a western state. It could be midwestern or down south or something. What is the thing that you would recommend to somebody? They wanted to do an over-the-counter. They just wanted like, hunt. like a yeah, just like a great experience, good chance at harvest, um, maybe even an outside chance at a trophy animal, and it's you know pretty much a guaranteed draw, reasonable price. What would be your your advice? Uh, I would I would do a. I would do a cow elk hunt of some sort. Uh, I would, it's kind of funny you're, you're bringing this up. I was just having this conversation with somebody. If, if I was to say, gosh, I, I, I want meat. I really want to experience it. I want to have a good time. And I want to know that I can draw a tag. Mm -hmm. I would go to Utah. Okay. Now do a cow elk hunt. Okay. Your, your, your price is, is, good you're not in that crazy you know thousand dollar ballpark of any sort mm -hmm. your odds are pretty darn good that you're going to get that tag and there's a lot of elk and there's not I, when <clears throat> you know when i say pressure i've hunted colorado and i've hunted utah and i've hunted general units in both and, mm -hmm. and they do exist in utah too they just they kind of they they spread it in between a spike elk hunt or a general season bull tag sure mm -hmm. uh but when you get into like a spike elk unit, and if you could get a cow elk tag there, which you, again, you'd have high draw odds, uh, boy, you're going to have an amazing experience. You're going to learn so much about what those elk do. And yeah. 
in in a unit like that, it's it's managed for trophy quality, so you're not getting a ton of pressure. Right. Yeah. So there's not a ton of hunters. I mean, there's don't get me wrong. There's a there's probably 150 or 200 hunters out there, but when you spread it over thousands of miles, you're not yeah, seeing yeah. those people. But it's it's there's nothing better than learning what those animals do. Yeah. And if you can experience them in their environment, and you're after one of the 10 cows that are hanging out with a bull, your odds are 10 times better that you're probably going to harvest that, yeah, that, right. that cow elk. And you're going to have just as much fun and you're going to have a ton of meat. And mm. I, I think that is hands down the way to go. I, I just recommended this to somebody else. And I was like, dude, for your money and what you want to do and you want to bring meat home, hands down, yeah. this is what I would do next year. That's a great, nice. that's a great tip. Love that. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's great perspective and, and, um, certainly something that all of us can use. Yeah. That's, thank you for that. Yeah. That's, that's good advice. So. That was, that was a good question. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's a selfish question, you know. I'm over here trying to. I'm making. I'm making yeah, plans. I'm running numbers. Uh, <laughs> starting to line up the babysitting. No, I'm just. Uh, yeah, checking flights to Utah. It's all good. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Yep. So, well, Alex, thank you so much. And before you uh, go, how can uh, people track you down? Well, I. Uh, I got the website going. So the website is www.alexgruen.com. So it's Alex, A-L-E-X, and then G-R-U-I-N.com. Uh, that's that's a great way uh, to contact me. You can email me at E as in Edward, the number two, W as in West, and then Hunts. So it's E2Whunts at gmail.com. Uh, or you can contact my actual business line at 720-248-7181. And, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, three different ways to get a hold of me. I do have a Instagram page that I, that I am pretty closely tied to Yeah, follow it. There's cool uh, stuff on there. <clears throat> yeah. So that's, that's East to West hunts. It's, uh, you know, as you spell it out and that's it's funny. My second go around on, on the Instagram page, I had a, I had a different one going on and as I switched different pages, I wiped that one out and restarted it. And, uh, it, you know, it's good, but you know, I, I think that's such a great way to get a hold of people. Yeah. You know, obviously mm. this is how we met, but it's, it's such a great platform to connect with people and message. And, you know, if, uh, if anything, follow along and, you know, that's, I, I post all my blogs on there and, and whatnot. Yep. So, um, if people do go to the website, just know it's, it's, I'm refreshing it. I'm adding stuff all the time, but, uh, you know, definitely it's way better than my old website. That's for sure. Yeah. His website is good. It's, it's really, it's yeah. really nice. Yeah. It's, he mm-hmm. does a nice job with it. So I, I think that you can, if you're working with Alex, you can be, you can be confident that the guy pays attention to detail. He'll make sure you're set up well. And as we've seen in these other stories, he's not all about trying to get you into the most expensive thing and put you, put you in a financially binding situation. It's, it's truly a situation that's right for you. So that's what that's, you can't ask for anything more than that. So, well, thank you so much. No, I, I appreciate it. Oh, for <laughs> sure. For sure, man. We really appreciate you coming on the show. We look forward to having you back on hopefully very soon. And hopefully we, if you're doing doing your homework and you're following Alex on Instagram, you'll start seeing a few of his own grip and grins here soon. And, uh, and, uh, 
obviously the guy has a has a, a thirst for adventure so hopefully you'll uh, get a tag along and and follow as he um does some of these really incredible dream hunts so Thank you, Alex. And Brandon, as always, thank you to you as well. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. All right. Have a good one. You too. Well, that was educational. Man, so much information out there. I hope your head's not spinning. Alex did such a great job breaking that all down. That was the most clear presentation of some of those rules that I've ever heard. And uh, just even learning the vocabulary behind it and and uh, really knowing how some of these processes work for how people end up with the tags that they get. Please check out Alex's uh, website. Also, make sure you follow him on Instagram. I will put links to both of those things in the show notes for this episode, so make sure you uh, go click on those to get there. Please also follow Brandon and his team at Hunt Fish Life. You can go to thehuntfishlife.com to access links to their social media pages as well as their store. And uh, actually, speaking of their social media pages, they just had a contest this week. Could have won some free gear from HFL. Yeah, see? Better follow them. And then, of course, please head over to firstgenhunter.com where you can find articles, vlog videos, and, of course, other episodes to the podcast. So, please head over to all these places. And then one final request please leave a review. That is so great for us. We can uh, uh, hopefully reach more people that way. It gets us a little bit more attention, and hopefully we're putting together a high-quality thing for you. I know uh, Brandon and I, our number one goal is to make this a good, useful resource for all you other hunters out there tuning in, or maybe even people that are thinking about hunting. Yep, you should do it. Please do. It'll make you happy. Otherwise, it's getting to be that time of year. It is. In fact, a lot of small game seasons, even some deer seasons are opened up. Make sure, make sure, make sure with all your planning that you take care and take someone hunting.